Hi, Taylor here. Today's episode is a previously recorded, unreleased case that we did back during Thanksgiving of 2021. Hey, how are you today? How was your week? I hope it's been swell and full of fantastic feasts because this week is Thanksgiving and we are here for you, friends. Here for you and your travels. We hope that you're driving safe, that you're wearing your stretchy pants, and that your life is just golden. So today is special, not only because it's Thanksgiving, um, but episode-wise, because we're giving you our first two-for-one special. And by that, I mean we have a certain spot with multiple crimes taking place, and today we're just here to talk about them. But before we get started, let me just say, hey, my name's Taylor, this is my sister Tristan, and we are sisters from the Pacific Northwest, and every Thursday we're here to give you the details of a crime that you may already know and discuss our thoughts and opinions. Like you were completely obsessed with true crime, but not in a morbid way. And we too realize that many criminals find the Pacific Northwest is the perfect place to make their twisted fantasies a reality. We are not professionals by any means, but rather crime enthusiasts who like to talk, so with that, let's get started. Disclaimer, today's case contains murder, sexual assault, unsolved crimes, and possible Zodiac connections. Oh, yes. I am talking about the infamous Zodiac, which I love. And there's a tie to this case, but there's also stuff that's been, like, floating around in the news. So, I don't know. We won't talk about it quite yet, but just know that it's coming. Zodiac. That dude, like, never dies. Zodiac is always around, I swear. Yeah, and I'll kind of talk about a couple theories in my head and how I feel about the Zodiac, but we're not there yet, so. Um, but, I mean, I kind of just, like, jump straight into, like, the case and stuff, so before we do that, I want to ask, what are your Thanksgiving plans, Tristan? I'm going to sit in my room. I'm a little sick. <laughs> I called my mom today, and she's freaking out because she's like, you need to go get tested. You have COVID. And I was like, okay, no, chill out, lady. Like, first off, I'm sneezing. And did you know, like, when you look up COVID symptoms, sneezing is not on there. Oh, I did not know that. Every time I – okay, maybe, like, it is now. But <laughs> every time I looked it up, like – it was always like, oh, you're sneezing, now you're fine. Like, I'm like, okay, cool. Like, it's fine. So, yeah, they never, it that. never lists sneezing. I don't know why, but I like, so I don't know what it is. I just, so I may sneeze, may not sneeze. We'll see. I heard that there was kind of like a cold going around. Like, it's not COVID, but everybody's freaking out. And obviously, that's what I had yeah. a couple weeks ago. But, yeah. I know. Every two seconds, my boyfriend's like, Every time I eat something, he's like, can you taste it? I'm like, yes, I can taste it. Chill out. Like, <laughs> I know. I keep asking my kids that, too. I'm like, can you taste things? Can you still taste it? I'm like, it tastes so gross, like, so yeah. I never lost it. <laughs> yeah. It tastes like crap. Exactly. You right? Like, what'd you do to this? <laughs> but yeah, no. Um, I'm fine. I just don't feel good. There's people coming to my house. So, I mean, what a great reason to just lock myself in my room and be like, don't touch me. I'm sick. So. I'm excited. Yeah, exactly. I'm actually cooking for everybody. That so, sounds awful. <laughs> because, well, I decided, I was like, you know what? I really, these are the things I want on Thanksgiving, and I know that I can make them, so I'm just going to make them because that's what I want. So mm. now it's turned into me cooking for three different families, which is totally fine. Yeah, three different families on top of my own. <laughs> so it's going to be 
Great. That's a lot of people. Oh, my God. I mean, it's not a lot of people because two of the families, there's like two or three people in them. Oh, but still stuff. gross. Not everybody has 700 children like me. But it's like yeah. your whole family's already an army. So like you have <laughs> yeah. a basketball team. Well, and that's what so. I mean. Like adding on, like if people are like, hey, can we come to Thanksgiving? I'm like, yeah, sure. There's going to be plenty of food. Like I'm already cooking for myself and my kids. So we're good. Yeah. All righty. So to kick off today's case, like I said earlier, we're going to be talking about a specific location and some of the crimes that have occurred there. And since the crimes are unrelated time-wise, we're not going to give you the details of the time period, but rather just a little background on the place in which the crimes take place. So if you didn't gather the place in which we're talking about from the title, well, let me tell you, we're going to be talking about Forest Park. Tristan, have you ever heard of Forest Park? Um, no. I, like, looked it up, so no, not really. I don't. And when I looked it up, I was just like, <laughs> oh, it's, like, the woods by the zoo. Cool. Neat. Nothing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nothing crazy. I was just like, oh, I didn't realize that was, like, a park. I just thought it was, I don't know. Right? I don't know what I thought it was. <laughs> Same thing. That's how I felt, too. I was like, oh, I know exactly where that's at, but I didn't realize that that's, like, that's that. I just thought it was there, you know. Forest Park is actually pretty famous. And by that, I mean, like, worldwide famous. Um, It is known as one of the top parks in the world. Like, real talk, folks. When I, like, yeah, like, when I was doing, like, the research on it, I found, like, tons of articles about, like, how famous it is. Which, I mean, it kind of makes sense. Like, Oregon's super famous for, you know, its beauty and, like, nature and all of those kind of things. Yeah. So people will literally come from across the world just to experience the beauty of this place. So I found an article that stated it's actually six times bigger than Central Park. I was also really surprised at that because I don't know why. I feel like Central Park is like really big. Is it not? (sighs) Then again, I I feel like when you look on maps, it's like huge. It looks huge, but at the same time, like compared to everything else, it's probably like not that big. It just looks huge because it's like in New York City surrounded by streets yeah well and you know central park all i ever think about is the 10th kingdom and her riding her bike through it so i just feel like it's massive but (laughs) yeah so it is located in the portland area and it has 5100 acres of forest land with 70 miles of trails within it it's one of the largest forest reserves in the country so basically for the locals who know like that the park exists it basically runs by the Pittock mansion and bumps into washington park by the zoo and for comparison washington park is actually under 500 acres so that like dwarfs over the over 5,000 acres of forest park well see like i can't even do the research right i literally said it was the park by the zoo it's not the park by the zoo (laughs) well i mean you and i have been there that um, washington when you go up park. to the no, when you go up to the Pittock Mansion, yeah. and there's those trails right there. That's part of Forest Park. See, okay, like that's kind of like the beginning of it. But then I think also when I was doing the research, it like stretches all the way across to like Savi Island, so it goes the opposite way of Washington Park. So it's like Washington Park, Forest Park. Right yeah, they're like right next to each other, right? Yeah. See, where does Washington yeah. Park and Forest Park, you know, like? end and begin Meet up. ridiculous see there's that's dumb why is there two separate parks i mean i don't know i really don't Weird. know 
And watch, we'll probably be like totally wrong. And like people in Portland will be like, oh my gosh, you're so stupid. That's not even how it is. But according to all the research that I did just on Forest Park, which was, you know, a few quick article reads, that's the information that Again, I Again, I've yeah, never really so. been to Forest Park. Doesn't seem that important to me. So <laughs> I go to so many parks. Just kidding. Bye. <laughs> Along with uh, being massive, it's also home to some few sinister secrets. Not only does it have, like, the common problem, like, much of the city of Portland, which is, like, the homeless, but also because of its size, it's an easy place to hide a body or do your drugs. Actually, speaking of the homeless, in 2004, there was a 54-year-old man who was living in the park with his 12-year-old daughter. And I guess it was super scandalous and became quite the story because apparently they had been living there for, like, four years. And they found, like, tons of encyclopedias because he had homeschooled her. And then eventually somebody wrote a book about it. And then that book was turned into a movie because, you know, that's what we do now. So the book was called My Abandonment. And the movie is titled Leave No Trace. And it was released in 2018. Okay, so I looked that up to Leave No Trace. And it's on Hulu. And it has a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Dang! So maybe I'll watch it and give like you know my official review. But supposedly it's really good. But then again, Rotten Tomatoes like I don't know. It said Rotten Tomatoes gave it they're hit and miss twenty six percent on Princess Diaries too. Like stop! <laughs> I had to look that up. Be like, well, what's your review on this? Like, because that was an amazing movie. So <laughs> yeah. I don't know Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. It's, yeah, hit or miss, but supposedly it's supposed to be really good, which it seems like an interesting story, let's be real. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, oh, that must be interesting, especially because, like, I mean, Portland summers can get pretty bad. I mean, obviously a bunch of people died this year because of the heat, and, I mean, it's not like it's negative temperatures in the winter, but if you're in the forest in Portland, like, that's really that cold. sucky. So, yeah, to be in, a 12-year-old girl rain. living with your dad... Yeah, and, like, living in a tent in the park, like, that just sounds intense. So, anyways, so now that we know a little bit about the park, let's get into the crime, shall we? So, the first major crime to take place was in the year 1960, and it was actually November 26, which sometimes we like to plan our stories to come around out around the same date, but this was, like, complete coincidence. So, in honor of the 61st anniversary... We are going to honor the victims by sharing with you the tragedy, Larry Payton and Beverly Allen. This crime left the city of Portland shook. Shooketh. Tiny little background on the couple. They were young college students who had recently fallen in love the previous summer. Uh, They both worked at a lodge in Crater Lake. So, like, Larry Payton's family was kind of, like, upper middle class, and they had a hotel down at Crater Lake, and so she worked there, and so did he, and that's where they met. Um, So, of course, now it's November, and Beverly, whose family was in Washington, because that's where she was from, was back home for the Thanksgiving holiday. So the plan was that after she spent her time with her family, she would travel back down to Portland to meet up with her boyfriend, Larry, at the Lloyd Center shopping mall so that they could get, like, presents for Christmas or whatever. The day went as planned, and it was learned that they left the mall around 9 p.m. Okay, so this kind of, like, 
I don't know. You know, it's weird, like, to think the mall was open till 9 p.m. in the 1960s. Right? Yeah. I feel like everything closed at, like, 6 back then. Like, that seems scandalous to be out at 9 p.m. Like, Well, you know what I thought was, like, super interesting? So, like, being back in Central Oregon, like, everything is closed before 9 here. And I hate it because I grew, like, not not grew up but I grew accustomed to like living in the city where everything's closed or open 24 hours or closes like super 1 late or something stupid yeah which yeah. is nice because if you have a Taco Bell craving at 11 30 you can go get your beefy five layer burrito but I was reading an article the other day about the differences between the United States and like the UK and they were like it's so weird that everything stays open past seven so Ugh, like they, they were saying like everything is closed like by seven like nothing literally nothing is open and it was like you guys should be spending time with your families not going to like drive through restaurants and i was like huh different cultures weird yeah but anyways They're late so the year's 1960 and we certainly don't have security footage or anything for that matter to truly confirm if they were there at the mall at that time let alone what place what, let alone what took place from this time that they left, if they were even there, to the time in which the couple was later found that night. And you will never guess where this couple was found. That's right, Forest Park. So, <clears throat> it was late and certainly dark when Larry's car was discovered on a local lover's lane in Forest Park. His parents had actually called authorities to report him and his girlfriend missing. So I don't have the police reports. I didn't get to look at anything to say like what time they called it in. But it was stated that his parents did at some point that evening be like, hey, my son and his girlfriend were supposed to be home and they're not. So that was part of the plan. They were going to go shopping at Lloyd Center and then go back to like wherever his parents were or supposed to yeah. do something with his parents like together. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so um, the body of Larry Payton was found to be deceased and stabbed somewhat 23 times with a fracture in his skull that was said to be the size of an egg. To which, I'm not trying to be, like, disrespectful or anything, but, like, okay, that's your way to describe it? I don't know, just, like, not your usual object, you know, when you find out, like, size-wise. But his body was found with mud on his clothes, thus the authorities kind of assumed at some point he was outside of his vehicle. And in an excerpt from a book that was written about the case decades later, and I quote, he was wearing jeans and a t-shirt. He must have lost his shoes during the fight. His bloody dress shirt is on the front seat. Officers at the scene theorize he must have taken it off after crawling back to the car, perhaps in an attempt to stop the blood. End quote. So his body is found in the car? Yes. Okay. But they're saying he was outside the car and he went back to the car. Like, he had to have gotten outside of, like, gone outside the car and, yeah, gotten back in. There's a lot. I will just let you know now. Like, there's a lot of unanswered questions, which is always frustrating, but it's even worse because this is, like, from so long ago. Yeah, I bet. And, but the thing was, like, it was a huge high-profile case, so. I never heard of it till now, but I bet. Yeah, well, also, little fun facts, of which I learned about the guy who later wrote the book. So the book didn't come out until 2010, and his name was actually Phil Stanford. He was the author, and he's, I guess, pretty famous in his own right in the area. Um, He was a Portland Tribune journalist 
who has been a pivotal member of society in helping to get two innocently accused people released from prison in the happy face killings, which is super, super interesting because yesterday, I no, two days ago, I watched the 2020 with Diane Sawyer and the Turpin girls, and mm-hmm. the video after, or the next episode, was the story of um, the happy face killer and Laverne Pavlinak, <laughs> and how, remember, like, she was trying to, like, pin it on her boyfriend the whole entire time? I was about to say, is he trying to get those two yeah out? so phil stanford was the one that helped get them out of prison so he was like a nah. journalist who did all of phil. that kind of stuff no 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 you should not waste your time two idiots decided <laughs> to go to jail that's their fault they're so stupid laverne i'm sorry girl no, but you what should were watch you thinking because it was actually super interesting because she's since passed away but they did interviews like with her daughters it was actually oh like God. super interesting and i just always think it's funny like when i'm doing research for something else like i'll find ties to other stuff So also, we've yet to cover this story, but the whole scandal with Michael Frank, he was also part of that case as well, making sure that the guy who was accused of his death was, who was innocent, that he was really. So this guy's kind of like been helpful. So he's written, Mm -hmm. I think, four books to date. But anyways, um, he also, I haven't, I think I listened to this while I was living in Texas, but I really don't remember the details, but he was also part of a podcast um, that was called, what was it called? Um, I don't know. Oh, Murder in Oregon. And that covered, it was like 12 episodes that covered the whole Michael Frank story. So mm. anyways, personal side note, because it's also going to come up later, when I was living in Texas around the same time that I was listening to the murder in Oregon one, I also listened to the podcast called The Clearing. And lo and behold, that has a tie to this case as well. But we're not gonna get back it we're not gonna get into that right yet. So back to the case at hand. So Yeah, I'm so confused. So, so let's you know, you... go back. <laughs> go back. Um, <laughs> uh, Larry Payton, Beverly Allen, lovers, boyfriend, girlfriend, went shopping at Lloyd Center. Um Their vehicle, or Larry Payton's vehicle, was found on um, Lover's Lane in Forest Park by police. And Larry in the vehicle. Larry's deceased body was in the vehicle. So, obviously, at the time that this body is found, the police who, like, arrived at the scene, they wouldn't have known that, like, there was supposed to be somebody else in the car. Like, to them, they're just like, oh, crap, John Doe's in a car. Like, we've got to figure this out. Especially because at the time, like, they didn't even know who he was. So they eventually find his billfold, which had $3.85 in it, as well as his driver's license. So then once they learn what his name is, they recognize this name as the missing person. However, with the name Larry Payton, they're like, wait a minute, there's supposed to be somebody else here. So where's Beverly Allen? Looking around further, which, yes, they totally failed to secure the crime scene, So they start rummaging through it. They find a pair of women's glasses crushed on the floorboards of the passenger side, along with a broken necklace, as well as her coat and her purse, which still had $11 inside. Oh, and a partial fingernail. Yikes. Gross. First off, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Second off, who are these police officers? Right? Oh, look. 
there's some guy in the car and he's has a bunch of women's belongings near it let's go huh. rummage through it let's go look through it like let's not wait for backup let's just start getting in there that's i mean that's literally what they did well and then the whole like <clears throat> oh it's this guy oh there's another missing person that's a girl who knew like yeah why are they surprised yeah <laughs> This man just walks around with a woman's purse and coat and all these things. And, like, there wasn't supposed to be a missing woman there. Oh, my. Yeah. Detectives. They must have just had to be, you know, 5'10 and they were good to go or whatever it was. Yeah. I have no idea. And, I mean, I'm just assuming here, you know, people weren't so desensitized to crime the way that we are today. So, I feel like if cops were to find a crime scene like this like not only would it be super scandalous and shocking to the public but like wouldn't they have i don't know the brains to be like hey wait a minute this kind of looks like a big deal let's stop and let's wait for the rest of the backup to get here like but they didn't do that like it was just kind of like ah oh, hey we found a body like i don't know and it's, it's 1960 i feel <laughs> i feel like, like it's what? not 1920 so that they should have learned in the 40 years like how to handle a crime scene but apparently these guys were noobs and they had no idea so let it be known that what was said before wasn't the only pieces of evidence that were left at the scene so that was just like what they kind of initially found and then of course as they're digging through it more they actually find a single bullet hole was through the windshield that was said to have come from inside the vehicle. And it was known that Larry did have a gun, like he did own mm. a gun, but there was no gun to be found. And there was a pen knife that was left on the hood of the car. And there was blood in and outside of the car. And the keys were actually found in the bushes, but Beverly was like nowhere near the area. Like she was not found there whatsoever. What's a pen knife? Yeah, I had to look it up. So a pen knife is actually like, I actually have one of them. They're called like an old timer is like the brand that I have. So it's just one of those. It's a knife, but it's kind of like more dull and it's meant, it was meant back in the day for like sharpening pencils and kind of thing. So just kind of like oh, one really? of those older, older looking knives. Like not. I thought it just like meant it looked like a pen and had a cap. No, I mean, no. I, oh. I googled it. You can Google it and you'd be like, oh, yeah, I've seen those before. Just like a really like almost kind of like an army Swiss knife without the all of the other things, just the knife part. Was it like a switchblade? No, no, it's wow. not a switchblade. No, I have I a feeling about. because of uh, Larry's like middle upper class upbringing, he was probably a real square. Which is fine. I'm just saying, like, I, I don't think... Scoring. I really don't he think... He had a gun. But yeah, I don't think that he was really, like, into anything scandalous or anything like that. So, all right. So, of course, once it was learned that Beverly should have been in the car and that there were traces of her having been with Larry, a manhunt and search quickly ensues. Beverly's father ends up offering a $1,000 reward to the person who can not only just find her, but provide, like, any information that would ensure her return. So it was a big deal. That's spicy. Yeah. Uh, I looked it up, and I think I think I talk about it later, but it's close to, like, ten grand today. So, I mean, Ooh. that's a lot. Wow. If, someone, if I go missing <laughs> and someone offers ten grand, like, for my return, like, that, I, I'd be honored, honestly. <laughs> Thank you so much. Well, thanks. <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. So, interestingly, 
And I don't know when this takes place because the information, there's information out there, but it's kind of scattered, you know? So um, a man called police in Eugene, where he claimed to have seen Beverly at a diner that very night. But that's what I mean. I don't know when he called this in, whether he called it in that night or whatever, but he yeah. was able to fully describe her, but he was unable to give any description of the man that she was with. So, like, I don't know. I just think that it's kind of sus. Like, you can, oh, yeah. I mean, her pictures were everywhere. So, like, oh, yeah, this is exactly what she looked like. This is what she was wearing, blah, blah, blah. But, like, you couldn't give any details of, as to, like, who the person was that she was with. I don't know. But he stated yeah. that there was a message found in the bathroom that was written in red lipstick that said, and I quote, I am being held in a brown Ford. Help me. End quote. See, I have some issues with this. <clears throat> What's that? Personally. First off, Sir and Eugene at a diner. How are you in the woman's bathroom? <laughs> well, I don't know necessarily if he is the one who saw the note or if he just said he okay. saw her. Second. Yeah. Is there other people that can confirm this note? That's what. Yeah. I mean, we probably don't know. No. Third. I'm just saying, Beverly, why are you going to write all this information down but your name? Yeah. And not say who you are. Yeah, exactly. And not say who you are. And like, I don't think you got bonked on the head and you literally forgot who you were. I don't, maybe, who knows? I'm not trying to judge. But at the same time, it's like, you're going to tell me I'm being held captive pretty much in a brown Ford. Please help me. You, you can't say Dash Beverly. Like, yeah. sign. Sign. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, something. Give us something to work with, Beverly. Like, why? All this information and you're not going to confirm. Like, that's just, that's all I got. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It's one of those things. There's there's a little bit of a sussy exactly if you ask me that's what i'm saying and for 10 grand would i call the police and say no i wouldn't because i'm not a huge a-hole but someone probably would yeah so. and that's what i mean um like ultimately it was decided by the police that it just wasn't like a valid lead and i'm not ex sure exactly sure why like maybe there was more specifics but they just didn't put it out there but yeah i can make the assumption it was probably because it was just somebody trying to get the reward which again it would have been equivalent to like 10 grand in today's money and that's a pretty penny. And honestly, I was even surprised that there was so much cash like left in her wallet. So she had $11, but that's over 100 bucks today. So $11 back then would have been a lot of money, which may or may not be like a major thing. But I was just really surprised that it was even left at the scene because why wouldn't a perpetrator take the cash? Because when people don't take the cash like that, it's usually that it's somebody that they know. And the fact hmm. that he was stabbed over 23 times, like, that just seems sus to me. A crime of passion. Exactly. So, some time had passed, and it was now January 9th of 1961, and the body of Beverly Allen was found 30 miles north of Portland on Sunset Highway. For those of you who are not familiar with the area... That's in the complete opposite direction of Eugene, where she was thought to have been seen. Furthermore, revealing to me, um, I think, again, it was just a false lead to get the reward, but she was found half naked from the waist up. She had been sexually assaulted, and she was facing down in a ravine. Her jacket, her shoes, and her blouse were near her body. 
Her hands were tied and there was a plastic sheet found with her blood on it at the scene, but like just a little further off. Interesting. Yeah. Which totally gives me, I don't know, just like Black Dahlia vibes other than the fact yeah. that she wasn't like drained of her body. I was and... say she had blood, but. Yeah. So after the body was found, um, an autopsy was done, which confirmed that her cause of death was caused by strangulation and that she was actually killed on November 27th, which would have been the night following her disappearance. Also, the partial nail that was found um, in the other victim's car was a match to her. So, like, it was her nail. Oh. Which, yeah, I don't, that just gross. I'm, I'm no, no disrespect no, no, to anybody, no, but nails no, just, no, like, no, no, gross no, no, me no. out. I don't like nails. I don't like nails. Yeah. Um, first question, do they, how long was she there for? Because if she died November 27th and then January 9th, that's over, like, a month. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't, I didn't really get specific details on how long, the body had to have been dumped recently. Oh. Like, I don't you think, think that so? she had been there that – In the ravine since for a month? Yeah, I don't think so. But then again, like, we don't really have, like, the full details. And I don't know. It's kind of hard because I thought about it. But I really wanted to read Phil Stanford's book. But because it's out of print, the cheapest copy was, like, $50. And there well, were copies that were all the way up to, like, $1,000. To which I was like, holy shite. <laughs> no, thank you. Phil – like, why can't you, why are you spreading the word for so much money? Yeah, so I wasn't able to, like, really fully get all the details, because I'm sure he has all of the details of the crime within oh, it, he, his books. So, yeah. But, you know, right from the start, the whole investigation was a mess. I mean, the only reason that the cops were even out in the forest to begin with was because that's where they would go to check for stolen cars, vandalism. And in all honesty, I know that they weren't expecting to find such a gruesome scene with Larry's car covered in blood. And I know, I just said this earlier, if we know anything about anything, stabbing 23 times is pretty intense. So this wasn't just a casual killing. It either had to be somebody that they knew or, at the time, unbeknownst to them, like a serial killer. You know? Yeah. Also, not to mention, he had a fractured skull. So why, though? Like, who would have wanted them dead? And that's a question that literally no one has had an answer for. Even as the investigation was started, there were no enemies of the two, nor were there any reason for them to be gone from this world. And when there's no apparent reason for killing such as these, as heinous as these, it's pretty obvious that it had to be the work of some sort of psycho. So, before we get into the case, as it unfolds a little bit more, I want to know, Tristan, like, what are your theories? Excluding any theories that might have to do with them, like, deserving it or being killed by somebody that they knew, because honestly, that's not what happened. So, Ugh. yeah. See, that's my theory because, A, there's a single bullet hole and it's through the windshield of the car from the inside. So, I feel like it has to be something like, maybe, it makes me feel that Larry at least knew the person or knew someone like they didn't have good intentions from the very beginning. You know what I mean? Because if you're originally in the car... And then you got taken out of the car and then you crawled back into the car. I don't think you shot someone after you went back into the car because you're like practically dying. You've been stabbed. You've done all that stuff. So I don't I don't know unless it was Beverly who shot through the window. That could be a good turn of events, you know. Yeah. And that's I mean, there is 
<clears throat> obviously there is a story behind it and we'll get to it in a second, but I don't know. It's just really hard and it's so unknown and there's so many different variants of what could have happened. I also have a feeling it was not one single person, but that's just me. Yeah. Because Beverly, homegirl, what what were you doing during this time? Exactly. If Larry is running around outside the car being stabbed, like, girl, why were you not running around? <laughs> Leave. I don't yeah. know. Like, why? How did you? First off, and if you did leave, how'd you break your nail in your purse? Like, I don't know. Did no, it wasn't like in her purse. It was just like on the floorboards, like near her purse, kind of thing. Oh, I thought it was like in her purse, but no. But still, yeah, you, sh- girl, you. Like, well, and know, I'm like, just kind of thinking, like, ya. just one nail. Like, how is there only one? Because if you were trying to like hold on to something, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea, but I just I feel like it is more than one person. It has to be more than one person. And there's that's the know. thing that's so frustrating, I think, about this because there's so many clues as to what could have happened, but we really don't have any idea what actually happened. So Lame. at the time. So this was the sixties, right? The world was coming off of the fifties when we as a society actually thought that like the world was good. Right? Because the war was over, people were living their lives, everybody's having babies, and crimes happened, yes. But I feel like in the 40s, like through the 60s, times were pretty simple and people didn't have a need to be so disturbing. And for the most part, I kind of feel like people kept to themselves. So it's because the water, the lead was not in the water yet. This lead just began <laughs> being in the water. So they hadn't hadn't gotten hit the crazy yet. I mean, yeah, but if you think about it, let's let's think about crimes between the 40s and the 60s. Like, they weren't really that – times in, like, the 20s and and that kind of thing where, where it was, like, Prohibition and the Great Depression, people were wild. But the 40s through the 60s, everybody was like, oh, yeah, times are good. Everything's okay. Everybody's going to be all right. And no, then, no, no. Well, and I think that the war kind of <laughs> – Everybody was dying from the war, so there wasn't really a whole lot of need for the crime back home. That's true. Yeah. But anyways, so this was not – all of this was basically to say that, like, this was not a normal situation in Portland. And the police, which I don't know if you know, but they're in the news again as of late because of all the, like, riots taking place downtown. And there's just been, like – there's been lots of, like, scandal with the lack of police and the amount of – like. I read an article that said that we have, like, 27 times more shootings in Portland than the rest of the country. Like yeah, we the do shootings right now. that take place over the last – and not just in since the pandemic. I mean, like, since what? Like, 20, 2015? Like, things have been insane here. So, anyways, none of that really is, like, relevant to this case, but – What I'm basically saying is they didn't lock down the crime scene whatsoever. So reporters, cops, journalists, pretty much anybody and everybody was walking all over everything, tainting all of it, which, like we said earlier, you would have thought that they would have learned over the years. But unfortunately, we still haven't learned even today. People still F up crime scenes all the time. So for the record, PSA, don't touch crime scenes. Just don't. And if someone, if you're involved and a crime took place, make sure they they shut down the crime scene. Don't let them come in and start doing things because it's going to hurt you in the end. Yeah, no, I totally agree. But also at at the second point, I'm just going to be like a little bit of the devil's on. You have to remember these police officers are probably like loser police officers like, oh, yeah, 
let's send the rookie out to Forest Park and see if there's anyone left any cars out there like they did last week, you know? Yeah. And then they freaking came across some murder scene and they're like, probably didn't know what to do. Well, and I'm just thinking, too, it's like Jimmy and Bobby are 19, 20 years old and they're rookie cops and they've never yeah, exactly. done anything before. And, and they're so- just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they probably had no idea what to do. And then, of course, they were just like, well, someone died here. We should try to figure out who it was before we tell everyone Let's else. be detectives. Yeah. Stupid. Yeah. That's probably what happened, honestly. And then they probably didn't know how to, like, secure the crime scene. And then also it's the 60s. I mean, do they, they don't have self – no one has – no, they did no. not have self- <laughs> 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 They didn't have pagers. They got – their walkie-talkies, I don't know what they had. Yeah. So, so they had to go back to the freaking downtown Portland probably to say, yo, we found a dead body. And then they probably like, okay, let's gather all our things and go back to Forest Park. Yeah. So they probably had like a lot of time in between. And if there's a bunch of homeless people out and about, there is a bunch of freaking people that travel the world to go see Forest Park in Portland, Oregon. I don't know why. I don't think it's that cool. Do what you want. There could have been many problem like many things in between i guess yeah so which i don't know at the time if it was as famous as it is now like i feel like it's like since the 90s it's probably become like a huge place because people got outside of their comfort zones to travel but again like you said it's still a public place and i wasn't even thinking about it i I don't know i don't want to sound like naive and stupid but i just wonder like did they even have radios where they would have been able to like dispatch exactly or did one of the guys have to sit there with the dead body while the other guy went back to get more people who knows yeah i don't know how it works but like i said before this crime was huge in the area and it was kind of like a sad mystery and everybody wanted to know what happened but right from the start it wasn't put together so there were no leads and the portland police had to scramble to cover for themselves for messing up the scene from the start So Multnomah police actually sent out letters to countless other counties in other states, not only just like in Oregon, but just outside of Oregon, asking for clues and wondering if anyone had any similar crime scenes or anything like that. Along with that, the police also decided to check in on any house parties in the area, especially because due to the ages of like Larry and Beverly. So I think they were both 19. So that's when they discovered a small lead. Now, according to partygoers in the area, Larry and Beverly were said to have attended a house party that night. That's when a young woman came forward with a story as to what happened to the ill-fated couple. But even that information didn't come to the police until almost five years later. Oh my goodness. So, according to investigators at the time, there were over 2,000 people who were questioned and about 450 of them were considered to be suspects, and only 47 of those were actually cleared. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Now, that's a lot of people with millions of possibilities, and it was said that they spent over $250,000 trying to solve the crime. Like, they they really did, once it was already done, like, they did dedicate themselves to trying to find the answers, but it was kind of a little too little too late, you know? So, in October of 1966, the Portland police received a letter from a woman who shared that she had clues that would lead to the answers that they had been searching for for all of those years. Now, she identified herself as Nikki Essex, and I'm pretty positive that's like a pseudoname. I don't really think that was her real name, but her information 
could have only been known as a person who witnessed it. So. Wait, witnessed the actual crime? Yes. <gasps> so, Nikki. she claimed that on the night of November 26, 1960, Larry and Beverly were out in Forest Park as his vehicle was found. So, like, that matches up. Like, they were out there. And her story was that the couple went to a house party of a man by the name of Edward Jorgensen and his brother Carl, which Edward was 36 and Carl was 27. And I'm sorry, but I just want to like pause here and be like, what 30 something, what 30 somethings are partying with teenagers? Like, yeah, that's, that's, I was like, wait, they're 37 and 27, like yeah. in the 60s. I during think this that's time. really, really weird. Which also, oh, by the no. way, Edward was a father of five oh. and Carl was a salesman <laughs> downtown. So again, what would these grown men have anything to do with college kids? Like, literally, and it no, was their house. It was supposedly like one of their house. Yeah. To which Hopefully I'm like, it's Carl's house. Edward, father of five. Okay, everyone, <laughs> yeah. don't go upstairs. Like the kids are sleeping. Like, psh. well, and I'm not sure if because they end up questioning like their mother, and so I'm not sure if maybe it was like her house. But again, <laughs> That's even she worse. has grown children. Her children are grown, and they're having like a house party there. So I I just have lots of issues with this from the start. But apparently, the mother of the two men because you can't even say they're boys they're men <laughs> they were questioned in which her reply was and i quote you are barking up the wrong tree just because my boys went to a party in the west hills the night of the murder end quote to which i gotta say true you know like even if they were out partying with teenagers which is really weird like that doesn't necessarily mean that they're the ones at fault so yeah, that's true. Either way, the police were totally on the side of Miss Essex, and three men were actually arrested under suspicion that they were responsible for the murders. So it was the two Jorgensen brothers, and a third man was from Salem, and his name was Gordon Brom. Now, Edward was arrested in his home in the middle of the night, whereas Carl was arrested while he was at work. And honestly, I don't know how Gordon was brought into the mix, but it was learned that he had a history of violence, having been incarcerated for beating an elderly man in 1962, which would have been after the crime, but still, now he's got a record, because by now it's 1966. Weird. Weird. Yeah. This whole situation is really weird. You, Please tell me this is like actually going to go somewhere, because this... Right now, I'm like, you're right now at, at this point of the story, they're getting arrested because they threw a house party that supposedly these people were at because Nikki says they were there. Yeah. Well, it gets a little juicier. So just just keep going. Okay. So the trials for the murders started in 1968, which included the testimony from Miss Essex stating that the brothers, as well as Gordon. So this was her story. They go to a house party that was held by a woman by the last name of Stevens. So nobody knows who this lady is, but her name's Stevens. All right. And it said that Miss Essex left the party with the Jorgensen brothers to go purchase more beer. And that's when they passed by a vehicle on the side of the road, which would have been the vehicle of Larry and Beverly. Now, it was said that they were invited to the party. And so the couple then followed the group back to the party. And somehow they ended up, like, racing and then Larry's car forced the other car off the road, leaving it damaged. 
So like, oh no. Hey guys, come come to this party with us. Ooh, let's race. Which, I don't know. I think of like my grandpa because he was totally alive in this time. And he said like they used to go cruise on Broadway all the time and like race each other. Like That was the cool thing to do when he was a teenager and he would have been alive in the 60s. So it kind of like makes sense. But at the same time, like what a weird thing to be happening. <laughs> I could see it happening. Yes, yeah. sadly. So, um, yes. the Jorgensen brothers or whatever, like their cars end up damaged, right? So they end up getting another vehicle after they had made it out to the party. <laughs> so like, yeah, they, they somehow get back to the party and they get another vehicle and now they're going out and they're looking for Larry and Beverly. And then they chase them down a dead end road in Forest Park. So apparently after the whole like crash happened or whatever, Larry and Beverly like take off or whatever. They don't go back to the party, but the other people do. And again, this is me trying to piece all of this together from all of the information that I found. So it's kind of confusing. But yeah. So Miss Essex stated that a confrontation took place in which she fled the scene. So they meet up again somehow because they got a new car now, right? And she's like, some sort of something happens and she's like, yikes, I'm out. But then she said as she was leaving, she heard a loud crack that would have been similar to a gunshot. Okay. Not long after, the men caught up to Miss Essex, picked her up, and now Beverly was in the car with them. And then she claims that the men took her home. So they took Nikki home. And that Beverly stayed in the car with the three men, and that was the last that she had seen of her alive. So, first off, what are your thoughts on this story? Okay, my number one thought is, Nikki, you suck, because why did you let them do that? Like, literally, you, like, didn't, what, did you not do anything to stop them? Like, what the f- Yeah. <laughs> Second off. Okay, I understand why the brothers are mad. Because I would be upset too, Larry. Why'd you destroy my car? Yeah. But then if you're racing, like, was it an accident? Was it intentional? Like, that's what I mean. Nobody knows. It's a full-on he said, she said story. Well, I I understand. I'm just, like, thinking of, like, the Jurgis and Jorg, whatever the freaking name is. So they're obviously drunk. They're driving. They're racing. They crash their car. Probably it's not even Larry's fault. Larry just took a tight corner and they're like, oh, Larry, let's crash our car because we're drunk. Yeah. I'm very impressed, though, that they somehow managed to go back to the party, get a new car, and hunt down Larry and Beverly. So yeah. did Larry and Beverly ever make it to the said party that they invited them to? That's the weird part. Yeah, I, judging from the story that she tells, I don't think so. But I guess, you know, there had been rumors. Because Portland's big, but it's not that big. You know, there were rumors like, oh, we saw them at this house party. So there was a rumor that they had been at a house party. Uh-huh. But again, because this is such a high-profile case, anybody could have said anything. Like, you know, when people go missing and people are, like, seeing them all across the nation and then it turns out they died six months ago kind of thing. Yeah. And it's like, how did you see somebody that was dead? But, so, I don't know. Mass hysteria. And, again, this is just, like, such a weird, weird situation. It is. Nikki's leaving the scene. Obviously, she hears a gunshot. She's like, I'm out. Like, which same girl? I'd be out, too. See ya. Yeah. But then they pick her up with only Beverly there. So, you can kind of just, you know, common sense connect the dots. Oh, they killed Larry. Yeah. Because supposedly they crashed his car and that pissed him off which i understand i understand that's not a reason to kill someone i'm not saying that but i understand why they would do it like whatever 
And then they just, yeah, she just gets dropped off at home and then she's like, oh, Beverly's still alive. It's fine. Well, and then my (laughs) biggest thing is like you waited five, six years to come up with this story. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It gives me the whole like MacGuffin vibes where that one girl, you know, the whole Leah Freeman thing where she's like, I'm going to wait till 10 years later and then I'm going to tell you guys my story. Like, what? No, that's stupid. Yeah, I don't don't know. Unless, like, she really, like, I don't know what these Jorgensen brothers, are they part of the mob? Are they just, like, (laughs) who knows? Like, did she really think, like, was she, like, worried about her own life? But at the same time, like, that is kind of scary. Like, you literally witnessed, you didn't witness them kill him, but you know that, oh, Larry's gone. Yeah. You heard the gunshot, and then, oh, he was dead the next day. They found his car dead. Like, I don't know. She obviously must have been scared for her life. But then yeah. again, at the same time, be like, y'all can't get me when you in prison loses. So just tell on them. <laughs> That's yeah. my theory. Well, I don't know why you wouldn't tell on them. They- I mean, who knows? I have no idea. Snitches get stitches, but people who murder go to jail. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, later on in the trial, um, because remember, like this whole story was taking place during the trial. And I don't know if she had had like, how many interviews she had had with the police or if, like, this story was coming out, like, at the trial. I don't know. But Edward Jorgensen's attorney ends up questioning her, saying, like, well, there's evidence that you have been seeking treatments in order to recall what happened that night, such as, like, hypnosis, sodium amytal, basically saying, like, well, you went and spent time in a mental institution, so there's not a ton of validity to your story, especially because of the time that's passed. And they said she could have easily been coerced by whoever was interviewing her to, like, fit whatever narrative they wanted, which we know for a fact, like, that happens more often than people even want to admit to. Mm -hmm. So the brother Carl, who obviously was there, he witnessed who, like, he was a witness. He claimed that neither of the brothers or Gordon, like, had had anything to do with Beverly or Larry. So, like, he held to that the entire time. He's like, we didn't have anything to do with it. We don't know what you're talking about. So, I don't know. And they're saying, like, none of this ever happened. They're like, we never yeah, even they're seen like, them before. Yeah, they're like, what story are you talking yeah. about? Like, sure, We yeah. didn't race them. We didn't see them. We did not invite them to our house. Yeah. Saying, like, wow. and that, and like, going along with what the mom said, like, just because we were out partying that night doesn't mean we partied with them or had anything yeah. to do with them. But regardless of their questioning, it was found that Edward Jorgensen was convicted of first-degree murder of Beverly Allen and second-degree murder for Larry Payton, and he was sentenced to life in prison plus 25 years. Carl, on the other hand, was completely acquitted of first-degree murder, and he was set Why? free. <laughs> I have no idea. Like, this, this so is weird. where it starts to, like, make no sense. And in the end... um, of 1969, Gordon Brom was also convicted of first-degree murder, and he, too, received a life sentence in prison, plus 25 years. Plus 25 years. For what? Yeah. For just the murder of Beverly? <laughs> exactly. And, again, I looked for it, and I don't know. Maybe we could find it in the Phil Stanford thing. But, again, I don't even understand why Gordon was brought into this. Like, I don't know. He was a 20-something, too, but he was from Salem. So, like, why was he even tied to this party other than this woman's statements? So she's did she mention Gordon in the story too? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, so, as well as Gordon. So they all four were in the car, and she left. So everyone killed. And to her story, oh well, I walked away, so I didn't kill them. So yeah. Must and have been everyone else killed her. them. Yeah. 
except Carl, because Carl was just watching because I saw him watch while I walked away. Like, what? Why? How is it? I don't understand how Carl got away with everything, too. When there's no eyewitnesses of what actually happened because she supposedly left. Yeah, exactly. None and of she that can't makes even sense. confirm and say she said Beverly was still alive when she got dropped off at home. What if they dropped her off on the street and someone else came and attacked her? Exactly. Who freaking you knows? Know Who is doing their job here? Nobody. Nobody did their oh. job. Gosh. Now, in 1972, both of the convicted men filed for appeals claiming that the witness testimony of Miss Essex, which is basically what put them in there because they had zero evidence. There was zero physical evidence that would have tied them. It's not like they found, you know, and obviously she was sexually assaulted. Let's go back to that. She was sexually assaulted. And I'm pretty sure I mentioned it earlier, but somehow, some way that information got misplaced. So, like, any of the test results that they would have had, you know, which it was the 60s, so DNA was not really, I don't even think it was a thing yet. Like, they may have collected it, but it's not like they knew what to do with it. But all of that got lost anyways. But there was nothing that would have physically connected any of these men to the crime scene whatsoever. So, in 1972, like I said, they filed for appeals claiming that she was full of crap and that it was not valid and... She was not even, they say, like, she wasn't even psychologically tested to begin with to prove if she was stable enough to even be a witness. However, Oregon Supreme Court denied it, and they denied their bid for parole. So, they're like, yeah, we don't care. Okay, bye. (laughs) Dang. Then, in 1975, a private investigator claimed that he had a witness who stated that Beverly Allen was actually still alive within the month of December stating that she was at local parties being prostituted out, which that doesn't necessarily go along with the autopsy that was said that she was killed on November 27th. Yeah, exactly. I don't know how valid that is. But again, you have to remember, like in this time in Portland, this was like the biggest thing going on. So everybody was talking about it. Everybody knew about it. Like I, I would say it was probably like the Casey Anthony story of the time. Like just... Just, like, the the celebrity part of it, like, that it was yeah. that big of a deal. Now get ready for your mind to be blown. After only serving three years, Edward Jorgensen was released on parole. And Gordon Brom was paroled after serving only seven years of his sentence. I thought they were just denied parole. Exactly. <laughs> So in 1976, both men filed for a relief petition seeking exonerations. So my question is, why would these men who were denied parole, who were considered to be the perpetrators behind such a heinous act in which this whole entire thing, like I said, was publicized for over 10 years. This was like front page news kind of thing. These guys were the convicted felons of a crime. Why would they be released after such a short amount of time unless they were completely innocent? Well, I mean, there is many stories that we've listened to where people just get paroled for literally no reason. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, and then, like, why'd you get paroled? And then they do more bad stuff. And it's like, wow. Yeah. Well, and did not learn their lesson. But at the same time, like you said before, if this was actually like, you know, the Casey Anthony, the Daybell chick, the I'm trying to think of a really major case. Lori Daybell. You know. 
you know, the, the like Andrew Cunanan kind of thing. Yeah, like, if this is really like the talk of the town, yada yada, you would not let these people leave parole after three years. Like, exactly. Let's be real. It would there would be riots about so there's, it. Like so people there's would be like t- yeah. not safe with these people on the street. Like yada yada yada. So there's ton of a ton of people who are like, yeah, obviously the cops knew these guys were innocent from the start. Like there's no other way to explain it. Really, y'all get paid off. Like someone that like just ruined their lives. I hate that. I hate that for them if they really didn't do it. Yeah, this is where the whole like conspiracy theories like start to come out. So. As I told you before, because there was, like, no DNA left, the whole crime scene was basically garbage. Like, they kind of, they let the guys go that they said were the ones convicted of doing it. It just kind of, like, ends there. Like, we really don't even know what happened. We don't know who was responsible. We don't know why they were killed or anything like that. We don't know any of the details. So this is where the conspiracy theories kind of, like, start to come out. So as I told you before, there was mention of the Zodiac Killer, right? Well, it just so happens that a man by the name of Edward Edwards was in the Portland area at the time. Who named him that? But do you know who he is? No. Who is that man? Oh my gosh. Tristan, how do you not know who he is? He must have been hated by his mother and father, Edward Edwards. Yeah, his name was Edward Edwards, and he was actually in the Portland area at the time, and he was even questioned by police, which... When he was um, interviewed, he conveniently had a bullet wound on his arm at the time of his questioning. However, for some stupid reason, he ends up being released. And as for, like, the story as to why he had a bullet wound, he was basically like, "Ah, oh, my girlfriend and I got in a fight and she shot me. Beverly Allen, my girlfriend of 12 hours, she shot me. I killed her. <laughs> she shot. Like, exactly. Sir. So, it's... It's just mind-boggling, and I wish that you could, like, do a little bit of research just so you could find out about Edward Edwards. Like, I'm sorry. I'm slightly disappointed. You don't know know who he is. I don't know this man. Maybe I do know the name, and I just pushed that far from my brain because that isn't Edward Edwards. (laughs) Well, okay. So the reason that he even – so he is connected to this case, but then the way that I was going to bring in the whole Zodiac thing is because, like I told you – I listened to this podcast in 2019 called The Clearing, in which the daughter of Edward Edwards, she was interviewed, and her name is April. Anyways, she claims that her father was a serial killer, which he was a serial killer, like, that's true. And she said he committed crimes, you know, like, all across the U.S., including, um, like, California and Oregon and Washington, And it was all in that same time period of, like, late 60s, early 70s, and 80s kind of thing. And it's even brought up that he could be the Zodiac Killer. So she has her own theories that her dad's a Zodiac Killer. Which, by the way, we know, like, there's probably, like, a handful of people out there who have claimed that their dad is a Zodiac. That actually has a very uh, consistent theory. It seems to be a thing. Yeah. But she claims that he was obsessed with the Zodiac killings. And any time, like, something was on the news about him or there was a documentary or whatever, he would, like, make his kids watch it with him. And then he would, like, scream at the TV or the radio or whatever and be like, that's not how it happened. Which, you know, either A, he was a Zodiac killer and that's what he was saying. Or B, he was just freaking Maybe nuts. he wishes like, he was a Zodiac killer. Maybe he's like, I really wish I was him. But, okay, so here's my theory, and again, you can, like, you can go into these deep, 
deep rabbit holes on Reddit. Like, I tell you, if you have nothing to do with your time, you can literally kill hours on that site. But um, I think that it's plausible that the Zodiac Killer, not to say there was like a little club or anything, but the Zodiac Killer was multiple people. That it wasn't just one person committing like all the crimes, but it was like people kind of copycatting the whole thing. Like one person did it, sent the letters, whatever, and then other killers like got away with it by doing that. But anyways, we have recent information like as of this week where um, there's another guy and this would totally go against with what April was saying with her dad being the Zodiac. But apparently this guy who passed away in 2018 fits the profile and mysteriously gave away tons of guns and ammo in the couple years before he passed. So the story goes that he kind of was giving away like all of his evidence in order to completely elude yeah. like being held responsible. So he just like gave it away to like neighbors or like person comes to town. Oh hey, I I got this these these shell casings. Do you want them? That okay, sounds okay, like cool. see you later. smartest thing ever. Like uh, that's 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 what I'm thinking. Pretty smart. I'm like one person would be like, oh that's so stupid, but the other person would be like, that's oh yeah, that's actually kind of a genius. Really because how are they going to trace? And especially if like the Zodiac killers multiple yeah. people, that's kind of a smart thing too. Because it's like, how can you tie it to me? Like blah 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 blah. Exactly. And that's what I'm kind of thinking. Not and and again, not to say like there was some secret Zodiac club. Like I'm not saying that, but I'm saying like it could have been multiple people all claiming to be the one person and none of them are going to get caught because there would have been little inconsistencies that wouldn't be able to tie them together. I don't know. I'm going to ask Jesus when I get up there, but anyways, back to Ed Edwards. Whether he was the Zodiac or not, he was a notorious serial killer who did get away with 5, at least 5 known murders, not including Beverly and Larry. And up until 2009, he got, finally got arrested for his crime. 2009? So he has been, yeah. So like this happened in 1960 and that's why the whole, you got to listen to that podcast because it's actually super interesting. And she kind of talks about how like they would move constantly. I think. Oh my God. I moved constantly too. My dad's a Zodiac killer. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. It's mom. <laughs> um, but he, you totally threw me off. He has been thought to be tied to this case, not only because he was in the area at the time, but also he was actually convicted of murdering a couple in the Midwest whose case was nearly identical to this one. Like Phil Stanford said it was like a carbon copy cut of this one. And that happened in the hmm. early 1980s. He also confessed to the murder of another couple in 1977 in Ohio, which basically I'm just saying I don't believe in coincidences. I do think it would be super strange if this guy has multiple reasons to be tied to this case, but then isn't part of it. But then again, who knows? Because maybe it wasn't him. Maybe it was a person who was actually like able to get away with it. I have no idea. And we'll never know because Ed Edwards died in 2011. But he did constantly say like, I wasn't a part of that one. To which it's like, how would you kill somebody identically, like, 20-some years later, but you're not part of the one previously? Unless he's a copycat, to which the Zodiac theory Yeah, maybe. Sense. I mean, honestly, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But Ed Edward seems like the type of guy to be like, nah, if I killed someone, I'll let you know, you know. I'll let you know the way I did it. Zodiac documentary, that's not well, how that's it the went. thing. <laughs> so... He didn't admit to any of the killings, I don't think, that Ed. he was a part of. 
but they had like physical evidence. So that's how they convicted of it, him of it. That's why they're saying there's got to be, he was only convicted of killing five people, but there's a way bigger list. And he was a super sus person. I'm telling you, the clearing That's like is the super worst interesting. Type of serial killers. I mean, okay, not to be like dramatic, like all serial killers are literally awful. But like, sir, don't kill a bunch of people. Have actual like foolproof evidence. Like, sir, we have DNA. You have this person's bones in your literal backyard. We have video evidence of you killing this person, and you're, you're not gonna say you did it. Like, what's the point? Yeah, and they're not gonna admit to Why? it. Why? Yeah, exactly. Because they're awful human you're just lame at that point you'd be so, even more of an awful hurt human if you admitted to it come on let's go so lame anyway yeah well sadly the mystery still remains as though they got some semblance of justice you know sending the jorgensen brothers and gordon brom to prison it doesn't necessarily mean that they were the ones responsible so i don't as the family members like i don't know if i would have found relief in that but the deaths of Larry Payton and Beverly Allen, like, we still don't have answers for, even today. And, I mean, like, Phil Stanford went into it, and I told you, like, he wrote the book in 2010. And I don't know what other police information he has out there, but I've heard that a lot of it, I've heard, I've read, that a lot of it just kind of, like, got lost. So, in the shuffle. So, there's, like, nothing really left to figure out, like, what Just to confirm, happened. though, it's not, like, it's technically not an unsolved case. They technically solved it as in, oh, those brothers did it. Yeah. But we but all know. Let's be real. That was like, kind of. Why would you let a, a killer release from prison three years if you later? you really thought like, they did it. That doesn't yeah. make any sense especially because this morning i this morning i legit just read an article i don't know if you read about it but the woman who was the author of the lovely bones everybody knows that book um or the movie i read the book and i watched the movie but i read the book first anyways so she wrote a book before she wrote that and it's called lucky and she um actually was raped by a man and she ended up um, like going back to like a New York park or something like that. And this man like came up to her and was like super friendly and was like, Hey, don't I know you? And she actually ended up accusing him of being the rapist. So he spent 16 years behind bars for a rape what? that he did not commit. And it's a huge like scandal right now. I'll have to send you the article <laughs> did because not it's actually hear about super this. interesting. And so he went to prison, like served his time and ended up getting out on parole or whatever, has to be a registered sex offender. You know, he ended up getting married and he decided like, I don't ever want to have kids because I, what kind of life would I give them? I can't work certain you jobs. Can't I can't even go to their school. You can't go to their sports. Yeah, exactly. So there's all of those rules and regulations. So him and his wife never had kids. And obviously, so the, the case took place, I think, in like the late 70s, early 80s. So, obviously, I think he got out in 99. So, he's been out for, you know, 20-some years. But they actually just did a full court thing. And she kind of, like, admitted, like, you know, I saw a black man that, like, resembled him kind of thing and put him away. So, like, she doesn't really, like, admit Oof, fault, but she doesn't, like, lady. not admit it. And they even said, like, when they did, like, the lineups and stuff like that, that um, she couldn't positively identify him. But they had enough, like, circumstantial evidence. They didn't even have any physical evidence. They had circumstantial the evidence. circumstantial and they were able evidence to that he's like, yeah, I thought and, I knew her. I guess I don't. And they're like, ooh, that's suspicious. Yeah. That is awful. Yeah. And it's just 
so freaking bananas. And so it said that, you know, he's like, so he cried tears of joy because he's finally exonerated. And it's like, you know what? You took away somebody's entire livelihood. That's insane. Like, and then you went on to go like be an author and you've had all this fame or whatever. And I guess they're supposed to be working on a book or working on a movie for the book Lucky because like I said, they made the lovely bones or whatever. But now that it's in production, people are like, uh, we don't even want to see her pass. Like we don't. Nobody wants to give her success because, like, you literally took an innocent man's life for no reason. Like that stuff happens insane, all the time, but... and then you you cannot you yes. can't say, especially like, I just you can't undo you can't it. Undo and this it. is the time. I mean, we can all go back. Whatever. What was it? Nineteen seventy nine police scandal in Portland, Oregon. Yada yada yada. They're naughty cops. They just probably yeah. are like let's get this bread let's get this person says they did it let's say they did it let's put them away like i feel like back then a lot of the times they're just like first person that comes up you're done like see ya so yeah and they just Whether wanted they to had end it the or case not. and like since he said it's such a big deal they're like we need to put someone away we need someone to take fault for this these guys there's more than one person that said oh it could have been them let's just end it here and say it was them yeah. and then once they realize like oh shh sheesh it's not them they must have they probably just like scoot them out of prison and be like yo sorry like thanks for covering for us yeah you know and i yeah i feel like that happens all the time that's gross it does it, it's no it's such a misuse of like the justice system and all of those things and it's sad because like i said it takes away people's livelihood like i don't know i feel bad for this guy who never got i mean Kids suck sometimes, like, let's be real, but he never got to experience any of that because he was, you know, unselfish enough to say, like, I don't want my kids to have to suffer because of me. And he was suffering innocently yeah. for no reason anyways. I hope he got a big so, payout. All the money that lady met, like, made on that Lucky book or whatever should go straight to him, honestly. Yeah, like, should seriously go to honestly. him. And I don't know what's going to come of it because, like, the exoneration, I think, well, just Well, my happened. legal, sir, you can sign me up. I'm not a lawyer, but I will fight that you get all the money she ever made on that book because that's literally off of your yeah. life that she ruined. So, stupid yeah. lady. And, like, what a selfish uh, okay. little white girl. Just, I don't know. Uh, I hate it. Okay, so um, like we said, it's a two-for-one special today, right? So sadly, we kind of like end like not on a high note. Like we don't know what happened to Larry and Beverly. We honestly don't know anything. It could have been Ed Edwards. could have been a different person. I don't know. I feel like it had to have been a crazy person. Dude, Ed Edwards, the fact that he has a shot, like he had a bullet wound, like that. I think he is exactly. more likely That's than what I the think brothers, too. honestly. like. Oh, I don't think the brothers had anything to do with it. But again, like, white girls be calling around being like, oh, this is what happened. And the police are like, "Uh uh-huh, sure. Like, I don't know. It's so stupid. Suspicious. But 30 years later, another gigantic scandal took place once again in Forest Park. So, like I said, those murders are pretty gruesome. And due to the fact that it was such a high-profile story... I mean, I guess it kind of stuck around the city of Portland as being, like, a big, gigantic case. And I'm sure there were tons of rumors over the years as, like, who did it, who didn't do it. But when the bodies of three women were discovered in the late 90s, the scandals of Forest Park essentially, like, start all over again. So, 
like I said, the first ones took place in 1960 and up until the 90s. That's like 30 years. So the two cases have absolutely nothing to do with each other other than the fact that they took place in the same exact park. So now we're going to switch over to the crimes of Todd Allen Reed, which I also just want to mention. I think it's weird. And you can Google this. I think that we should make a list. But a lot of times, victims or criminals have the name Allen. Like, that is super, super common. I don't like it. And again, three three namers. Well, you know what? I don't like that. Name, I don't like so. it. D- if I kill someone, don't use my middle name. Now. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Now, Todd Allen Reed... Todd Allen Reed was a man who was born in 1967, and we literally don't even have a birth date for this man, So, which is kind of why we're throwing these two cases together, because the one case by itself had a ton of information, but it wasn't really enough to, like, make an entire episode, Um, and then this one, like, doesn't have, like, any information, we just have, like, basic top details, so that's why we're putting them together. And you know what? It's Thanksgiving, so you've got a a time to travel, so you're welcome. Anyways, uh, we don't know the day of this birth for this man. We do know he was born in 1967. Um, And we also learned that by the age of 14, he was actually a registered sex offender. But you know what? Start him young. Good job, buddy. What the heck? Yeah. But he was evaluated and he was not considered to be dangerous. How do you not be dangerous if you're a sex offender? Hmm. I'm sorry. Like, at any age, were you not dangerous? obviously... I'm kind of I'm kind of thinking too because he was like 14 that's probably a lot of these like case details were sealed Maybe. because he was a minor but I don't know. Later in his life he ended up getting married but that marriage didn't last super long and he was divorced by 1997. So, uh, he worked for a produce company and was not known for causing any problems or trouble or anything like that. And unfortunately, that's literally the gist of information we have on this guy. No family history, no background, not even a birthday. So it's interesting that he was actually given the title Forest Park Killer when there's essentially nothing out there that would give us any information as to the person that he was other than the crimes that he committed. Like, there's no profile whatsoever, which I just think is weird. And I don't understand why. Because there had to, this took place in the 90s. It's not like it took place in 1912. Like, there had to have been information out there. I just someone don't understand why we don't man. have it. And someone knows his birthday. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. When was, what is his birthday? What is his zodiac sign? That's what we need to know. Tristan, we don't even know. We only know he was born I, I, that's in That's why I'm asking the public. So if there someone are 365 knows, days. let us know. He's giving me Scorpio now, vibes. Those are Scorpio. So in the time that he was working for this produce company, um, I think it's called Rennell or something like that. I had it, but I don't remember what it was. But anyways, several homeless women from the area went missing. And eventually three of them were confirmed to be murdered by Mr. Reed. So while he was convicted for the killing of three women in 1999, Um, He was 32. He was actually suspected of killing two more, which took place in 1987, which would have made him only 20. So first we're going to talk about the two girls that he was not convicted of killing. And then later we'll talk about the three victims that he was incarcerated for. So 
According to the Gresham Police Department, which was the police in the area, um, we're talking about the 1987 crime of a young girl who was 15, and she went missing on July 3rd of 1987, which she was actually last seen with Reed's then-girlfriend, who would eventually become his wife, and her name is Gail. Um, having last been seen with Gail, it would be over a year before anybody would even learn what actually, like, I was about to, to say, girl. like, wait, is he married at this time or is he not married at this time? Because he was divorced by the no, time so they weren't he even married. actually was convicted of killing the other people. But this is before, and this is before yes. he's even married. But Gail is going to be his wife. Yeah, but it's the same woman. Interesting. Yeah. So... In 1988, a student from Mount Hood Community College, which shout out to mom because that's where she went to school, um, this student discovered a heel and shin bone of a human being in the Gresham area, which is where she was last seen the year prior. Now, shortly after an investigation took place, um, more bones were found within the fields that basically completed like a skeleton. So it was later positively identified to be the body of Jennifer Lynn Tchir, and I'm sorry, I can't even pronounce her last name, but it's spelled T-C-H-I-R. Now, her death was said to have been caused by asphyxiation, to which I, I pause right here, and I didn't write this down, but I wonder, like, y'all only had a skeleton. How did you decide she died from True. asphyxiation? Like, was it written on her bones? Like, I don't even know. We I don't know. Uh, Todd Reed was never charged with her murder, and unfortunately, through all the digging, all I could do, um, it's never mentioned whether or not he ever admitted to these crimes, or if he was only tied to it because his wife or girlfriend at the time was the last one seen with her. But, like, I don't know. Like, there's no details outside of that. She went missing in July. She was found a year later, found to have died from strangulation. Close the book. End of story. Which... Also, brings up the other question. Like, was she involved with it? Like, his wife, girlfriend? Was she ever involved in these murders? Like, where's she at? What's her story? And, of course, I have no answers to these questions because I have no... So, hold up. Just to go back. This is a 15-year-old girl. Was she homeless or was this Mm -hmm. just, like, a normal little girl? Had a home, went to middle school or high school? I don't really... I don't know. I don't know if she was homeless, if she was just kind of like, because at the time, if, if Gail, the one that he was married to is the same age as him, they would have been like 20. So like 15 and 20, like that's not like a gigantic age difference, but it's enough to be like, eh, y'all shouldn't be hanging out. But I wonder like, did they know her? Is that why they were hanging out? Like they had to have known her in some sort of way. And sadly, you know, you have to think like, uh, trafficking and you know those kind of things like prostitution starts mm-hmm. when kids are kids so is it something like they were all involved in something like that I have no clue like this this case is frustrating and again it's another reason why we didn't make it its own episode like there are way more questions than there well, is and I'm also thinking too going back to so, Todd is 14 and he's a registered sex offender so how could he, yeah. if this girl is in school, how could he even be, like, contacting her or trying to get, yeah, he's not even around her? Yeah, exactly. Grounds. How is this woman, not woman, it's a girl, girl buried on Mount Hood Community College? He's not even supposed to be on, like, I don't know if he's allowed on college. Maybe there are. 
I don't know what the rules are. But if he's technically not even supposed to be allowed on, like, any type of school ground, I don't know about college. I guess they could probably be on college. I don't know. But you know what I mean? Like, it's just, like, interesting to say the least. Yeah. And I'm, I wonder – so we don't know Gail's age or anything really about her. No. There's, like, no information about her either. And I tried looking for some, and all that it gives me is that she was married to him and then – yeah, we'll get into a little more mm. details in just a second. But I do know that she was last seen at 7-Eleven with this girl. So they were in a public place. It's not like they were seen in a home or anything like Because I'm wondering, like was, was Gail, like, still so, technically in high school at this time? Because 15, you're in high school. If Gail is, like, a little bit younger than yeah. Todd, which it's not, like, crazy. It's possible. And at the same time. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's just really interesting. To say the least. Did Todd go to Mount Hood Community College? Uh, I don't there. know. Huh. Whew. Whew. Which, how does that work if you're a registered sex That's offender? Can you go to college? Are. How do you finish school? Are. Do you have to get a I GED? I don't, yeah, know how I don't know. Again, this this case is <laughs> I don't know the frustrating rules. because there is not a lot of information out there. But... Um, the other victim that Mr. Reed was never charged with was the murder of a missing 12-year-old girl, and her name was Mindy Colleen Thomas, and she disappeared from her apartment complex on August 3rd of 1987. She, too, was also last seen with Gail, which was Reed's then-girlfriend, at time-turned-wife, now-turned-ex-wife. And um, I think I saw something that said, like, they lived in that area, either they lived in the same complex or whatever, but... It would have been um, about a month after the first girl went missing that this second girl went missing. And I just, she's 12. Oh my gosh. Like, I almost have a 12-year-old. Like, I can't imagine that at all. But this girl's remains were discovered in October. So her remains were thankfully found, like, not super long after. Like, not that we want her remains to you know be found because that's sad but at least they didn't have to wait like a full year to find out what happened to their daughter I guess is basically what I'm going with so um in October of the same year near a hiking trail once again close to Mount Hood Community College um the body of Mindy was found she had also been strangled to death and again because information is so limited I don't know if at the time they tied the two cases together because they were both young girls, they were both found in the same area, both killed in the same way. I don't know if it was ever connected or if they were just thought to have gone missing and died in the same area around the same time and just kind of like, oh, what a tragedy. Like, I don't know. There's nothing out there that says that they were tied together. Yeah, that's kind of weird. And they're both, like, suspected to be murdered by Todd Allen Reed. Eventually, yes. But that's what I'm saying. I don't know if at the time they even had him on their radar or if it just eventually over time was figured out, like pieced together. That's what I'm saying. There's, I didn't find anything that would have really given me. I, I don't know. If someone has like some sort of way to get like newspaper archives like all in one place, I would love for that to happen because you can't really get it from a Google search all the time. Like, you can't just Google things and then pull up newspaper articles at the same time. And I, I don't know, maybe eventually we should invest in an um, Oregonian subscription just because I think you can get archives that way. But nah. so I guess in the year 2010, Investigation Discovery actually created this series called Main Street Mysteries, 
And I searched for it everywhere, and it's concluded that it does exist, but there was nowhere that I could even watch it. Like, I was even, in, like, I wanted to watch it so bad. I was like, I will pay. I will pay to watch this stupid thing because usually I'm cheap and I won't do it. But um, I don't know. It's really frustrating because they did cover him. They did cover the Todd Allen Raid or whatever, but I couldn't find anywhere to watch it. There was no, like, old YouTube, you know, because, you know, sometimes people will, like, record on their phone, like, whatever. There yeah. was nothing like that. So, um, there's not a ton of information out there. Everybody kind of has the same information, so I couldn't really find a ton of, like, new or juicy information about this, but this is what I got. So, as far as I knew, he was still in prison. And he's probably, if he was born in 1967, about 54 years old. But it wouldn't say, like, which prison he's incarcerated at. But I do believe it was still in Oregon. Because, you know, sometimes, like, people get sent to yeah, other places. for some reason. Like, Archie Cabello Why? was in Texas. <laughs> yeah. But, um... Between the murders of the two young girls and the time in which the second set of murders take place, he was actually arrested again and spent two and a half years in prison for an armed rape that happened in 1992. And the victim of that actually lived, thankfully, and she said that Reed tried to choke her with a belt prior to the crime. And so it was kind of learned... Um, that the crime that was committed was he actually lured a 24-year-old woman to his car, stating that he needed directions, which, praise the Lord, you know, for phones now. We don't have to ask for directions because scary, sketchy True. stuff like this happens. But he forced her into the car at knife point. He raped her and put a seatbelt around her neck, and then she was able to escape. So she actually convicted him um, of rape, and that's what he served time for. So... That's just a lot going on. Like, you're a registered sex offender by 14, you murder two girls and you get away with it, but then you end up going to prison because you rape a woman, and then you get out and you murder three more. And just to confirm, when did... When did but... Wait, 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 wait. And he was still married to Gail at this time. Exactly. So that's what I'm, I found was interesting, too, because I don't know if they would have gotten married after he got out of prison for the rape or if it would have, like, were they already married? Because they didn't divorce yeah. until 1997. And I did find he apparently had oh. two sons and that he was married. Oh, I did find out he was married to his wife for nine years. And then they got divorced, and she got custody of the boys, but he still had, like, regular visitation with them. So it seemed kind of like a good, like, uh -huh. co-parenting situation. Not to say that this person's a good person, because he's not, obviously. But I do wonder. I mean, yes, he had the attempted rape in 92, and he was a registered sex offender. But I do wonder if, like, his divorce had any impact on the next set of killings but i guess that really wouldn't make sense because he had already murdered the two girls in 87 yeah. so i guess never mind also it was kind of interesting because in 1998 it was said that he actually put a restraining order against his ex-wife because she had threatened to kill him and his mm. new girlfriend so they had already split right and they had their amicable whatever and then he got a girlfriend that moved in with him which, by the way, they live in the Gresham area, so southeast Portland, yippee. And um, he was being actually surveillance for a really long time before they ended up arresting him. 
So they got to see a lot of the like police, the police got to see a lot of the interactions between him, his wife, his girlfriend, his kids, blah, blah, blah. And yeah. So, whoa, 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 whoa. either way, this is like a Harley Quinn Joker type relationship. Like, I'm going to kill you. You're going to kill me. Yada, yada, yada. So Gail, she doesn't seem very innocent in this whole situation. Just saying. Exactly. And that's where I bring up the question and I ask, like, was she actually a part of it? Was she aware of what had happened? Because, you know, some of these wives, they play like, oh, my gosh, I had no idea. But, like, Gail, you put a restraining order on you. Part Mm -hmm. of me thinks you're a little Mm -hmm. crazy. So did you know about these things? And you just kind of, like, did you plead the fifth? Did you, like get whatever like i don't understand how see i'm just i'm so frustrated i wish there was more information out there like why is everything so hush hush and i don't know maybe okay if he had two boys in the late 90s that means these boys had to be in between my age and your age so they're old now like was everything sealed for their protection like who freaking knows to which i also think like I went to school in Gresham, so did I go to school with these kids and not even know it? I'm 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 Kobe? the same age. Like I said earlier, uh he's working for this produce company in Portland. Um and some prostitutes who were homeless at the time go missing and their bodies actually ended up in Forest Park, which would technically be across the river. And all of these were found within a 5-week time span, to which that's really quick. So, of course, as soon as this happened, the cops were basically freaking out, like, trying to figure out who yeah, was responsible Yeah, and they auto- obviously automatically think, like, these are all connected. Five-week span, like, someone is just going, yeah. Bam, bam, bam. Yeah. You really can't yeah, exactly. pin it on, That's like, oh, this is just too, multiple cause... people randomly killing. Like, no, this is one person, like, going no. at it. Weird. Yeah. So, on May 7th of 1999, the body of 28-year-old Lilla Faye Moeller was found to be covered with brush in Forest Park. She was a homeless drug addict who was the mother of one child, um, and it said that she had been sexually assaulted and strangled. And it was believed that she had probably been deceased for about a month at the time that she was found, and a used condom was found less than 30 feet away, which contained DNA. Uh, yeah interesting (laughs) sorry just just that's interesting okay yeah so i just feel like homie you are not like why use a condom and then leave it there yeah why wouldn't you just leave a note and say hi my name's todd allen reed i did it like very interesting choice especially because this is the 90s it's not 1960 okay like i feel like wrapping back to you know the whole zodiac thing i think part of the reason he got away with as much as he got away with is because we didn't have the technology that we have now so you know had the zodiac tried to compete in today's society he would have failed miserably but whatever so the following day the body of stephanie russell was discovered and she was a 26 year old exotic dancer and prostitute who was addicted to drugs And DNA was also recovered from her body as well. So both of these bodies, like I said, it was a five-week span that three bodies were found, but these two bodies were found, bam, bam, within a day of each other. And I wonder if they were both dumped at the same time. Because I don't know. Like, I'm I'm not a serial killer, 
sorry guys, like, hate to break it to you. So I don't know what goes on in the mind of a serial killer, but I wouldn't think that you would feel safe enough to go back to your crime scene the next day to drop another body. That seems kind of sus. So were they dropped at the same time? Or were you just checking in to see if they discovered what you wanted them to discover? And again, people are constantly patrolling Forest Park, mm-hmm. even though it's giant. They're constantly patrolling it for drugs. Like, at one point, um, I think that somebody was, like, before it was legal, people had, like, a weed farm out there. Like, drug deals go down, prostitutes are out there, homeless people. Like, this isn't just a place where it's, like, remote. Yeah. Nobody's out there. So he purposely put those bodies there because he wanted them to be found. So then, on June 2nd of 1999, a hiker in Forest Park found the body of a young 17-year-old girl, and her name was exa- her name was Alexandria Eisen, and she was about a quarter of a mile from one of the other victims, and she had actually been missing since May, which is when the other bodies were found, and it was said that the area had not been searched in the previous month because she was kind of, like, found on, like, a steep hill. But police believe the pattern of the deaths of these women. She was abducted, sexually assaulted, and strangled. So, yeah, this guy's really just, like, not giving anyone a, you know, kind of uh, any kind of mystery here. And just let me leave the condom. Let no. me do everything I've done before. Let me put them in places where they all people will find them. Yeah. <sighs> And it's like, are you stupid or are you thinking you're just going to outsmart everybody? Uh, you think he's been Who doing knows? this for a long time. Sex offender since 14. You think he'd know a trick or two, but I don't know. Yeah. Well, it gets even better. So on July 7th of 1999, the victims' um, families actually held a vigil in order to honor the memories of the ones that they had lost. Um. And what's interesting is that all of the women had similar hairstyle, weight, height. So, like, he Uh had a type for sure. So, the police actually send a decoy, similar looking to all of the victims, to be bait. And guess who shows up at the vigil? Of course, this bozo. And so, he actually ends up stalking the officer, bringing himself to their attention. And thankfully, the other officer who was involved in the case actually recognized Mr. Reed because of the rape, the sexual assault case back in 1992. And so back then they actually took DNA from him at the time. So then this cop recognizes like, Hey, this might be our guy. Hey, we know exactly who this guy is. And they end up using it to test against the other victims that were found in Forest Park. And so he gets arrested. Why do people go to the visuals? That's like a big thing. Like a lot of people, like people that murder people, go to like the actual like yeah, which it's is so like a thing. To me. Um, maybe just to be like, yeah, yeah. I did that. Like there, you know, like like do you are you that you know like psychotic that you have to like see them the hurt and the pain that you cause? Like is that why and you then, go to again, things? dummy? You're going to pick up someone at the vigil for the people that you committed crime for? Like, I just, that is some psychopath. Like, y'all don't take a break? Psychos don't take a break? Yeah, and that's where I think, 
But I think that brings in the whole like psychosis of things. And it's like, wow, this is such an urge for you. Like, yeah, you exactly. literally can't There's help no yourself. breaks. Not to say that they get That's an excuse, insane. but it's like, this is why stuff works because something's actually wrong with you and you don't get it. So, anyways, on July 18th of 1999, Todd Allen Reed was arrested for aggravated murder in the deaths of the three women. Police were able to match the DNA from the crime scenes of two of the victims, and then there was some way that all three of them were connected, so they only had to connect him to two of them, and then it just worked for all three of them, I guess. And he was indicted indicted on July 27th for seven criminal counts related to three homicides. That's good. See ya. Yeah. Now, at the trial, Mr. Reed took a plea deal in which he pled guilty to the deaths of the three women in order to escape a death penalty in Oregon. To which I also want to make mention, <laughs> like, this is like the dumbest guy, one of the dumbest guys I think we've ever had to cover because this idiot admitted like, oh yeah, I've had sex with all three of these women. Which... I don't know. Sure. I guess you could say because they were prostitutes, it's possible to for him to have had sex with them but not commit the murder. But at the same time, like, what a freaking dum-dum to openly tell the police, like, oh, yes, I've had sex with all three of these women. And, you know, that's basically all they needed. So they actually went and got to search his vehicle, and they end up finding stuff that would totally incriminate someone having um some sort of wire Uh for strangulation and he also had a copy of a book on how to kill people without actually touching to which i say good freaking job you curse word (laughs) okay yeah i am well that's what i mean like they were totally surveillancing this guy for a while like first off i i don't know i've never you know, personally, not into dealing with prostitutes, let them do their job, whatever. But if you're constantly, supposedly hooking up with prostitutes, do you remember who you, like, hook up with every, you know what I mean? Like, would you be able to say, like, oh, yeah, that's Sally. I had a night with her a year ago, I don't a know. month ago. Like, would you remember, would you be able to recall, like, oh, yeah, I slept with all three of them. Well, and then, like, do you get I don't favorites? know how it works. Like, I just, don't like, interesting know, that he's just... like, yep, I slept with all three of them. Like, yep, I remember. I know. Well, and like, I guess... Would you know? These ladies, like, usually yeah. it's like a, here, I'm here, my name's not my name. My name's Star. That's a name, but not a common name. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody and, like, ever gives I'm their here, real like, name. I'm literally here for, like, 30 minutes tops, and then I'm leaving, and then I hope I never see you again. Like... That's kind of like the deal, isn't it? Like, oh, this yeah. is a secret thing. Like, but then again, I guess yeah, people could go to like consistently to one person. They probably still, have it's regulars. Just, like, interesting yeah. to say. Well, and it said that they did interview, you know, some yeah. of the like local prostitutes in the area, and they did recognize oh, him. As so being, he was like, like a actually, and that his name he went by like Jim or Jerry uh-huh. or something like that. Like, like he was. And But they didn't have anything, like, super negative to say about him. Because, you know, sometimes, like, they stand out. But I guess this guy, yeah. like, he didn't stand out. And that's what I mean when I said earlier, like, at his workplace, he wasn't a problem. So you find either they, like, super blend in so well that, like, nobody even remembers that they exist. 
or they're so like narcissistic that you like oh yeah we knew he was a serial killer because he was such a dick i just think it's funny like i just right there was just a very like big flashing sign of like even yeah so he goes to multiple prostitutes or whatever but like on the stand he's like yes i've had sex with these three women i remember because then i killed them afterwards like you know what i mean that's just like <laughs> that's the <laughs> yeah, big that's what i mean like, like yeah i had sex with them. of course i remember then i killed them <laughs> oh and then i strangled it was just them. convenient <laughs> like, that you what do you mean a, why would i forget that yeah <laughs> like, a condom of- i don't know it's just yeah and, yeah and then the whole condom thing like sir why would you like oh but that's what i mean like oh it was just convenient that you found a condom filled with my dna next to her dead body i'm just being protective of stis like like... yeah like i i had sex with her sure but i didn't kill her like it's just weird that's just a weird thing i mean i see i see the way he was going of like yeah i had sex with her like i had sex with everybody like yeah yeah, like was he just trying to, to play like, find it down some sort of like, of, like yeah, build their not a big deal. Yeah, like oh yeah, but, I'll be honest about that, but I'm gonna lie to you very about this. Yeah, I know. Way to go out know. of it, and then, sir, a book on how to kill people without touching them. Yet you're gonna. Yeah. How do people even get book deals to well, make and it's these just funny, things? You're like though, obviously like, you're like oh I don't want to touch him I don't want to leave my DNA but let me leave my condom there. <laughs> Yeah, sir. filled with my DNA. Like, were you that <laughs> stupid? You didn't realize that those are the sir. same thing? That's what I'm saying. He could have just left a note with his name on it. Especially because he'd already spent time in prison, and he knew that they had his freaking samples. They knew. Just, or he knew. Just, not they knew. Sir. Like, you're already profiled, uh, bud. Okay? Interesting. To say the least. I don't know. So, Yeah. On February 23rd of 2001, he was given three consecutive life terms, one for each of the victims that he had. And as of June of 2020, he was still listed as being a prisoner. But I found this little nugget of information that said as of June 2021, he's no longer listed as an inmate. So it's believed he actually may have died. But there's nothing out there that says like, oh, yeah, serial killer is found dead or serial killer dies of natural causes. Like I couldn't find mm-hmm. anything that says that he's dead, but I also couldn't find anything that says like that he's still living. Which and then is we, we really don't know what prison me. he's what Where was he at? No, he's in Oregon or at the there's some information that states like, yes, he was in an Oregon prison, but they wouldn't specifically state which Oregon prison he's at. That's why I'm just wondering no, why, why are we is there hiding so much about this man? weird stuff why surrounding are we him? him? Like, what is so special about him? That's weird. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. I don't know. And that the only he's thing the true Zodiac killer. Like, they don't want to. Was there know. some sort of? Oh my gosh, just he kidding. was only he was. <laughs> no, he wasn't even like alive for some of the crimes, but it just doesn't. It doesn't make sense. And what happened to Gail? What about their boys? Like, what? It There's just too many unanswered questions. Yeah, I want to hear me. Gail's take about but, the two girls from before. Like, there's there's no information. No, yeah. get, no one questioned Gail of, you're the last scene of this person. And then she just went, I don't know. Well, and you know she has to be, she had to have been questioned at some point. I oh, doubt yeah. they would have talked to the boys. But she, even after they found the three bodies in 99, like, you divorced this guy two years ago. You had to have known something. Like, they had to have done a character witness something. or, you know, asked questions or interviewed yeah. her for something. Yeah. Weird. I have no idea. But, oh, there was also talk of another possible victim who went missing in 1999 around the same time. And her name was Amanda. 
and she was only 19 years old, but there has been no body found, and she is still just currently listed as, like, a missing person. So, I don't know how she's been tied to this case. I mean, I guess there's some sort of information out there that would have made it valid, but it's kind of like one of those things that's possible but not confirmed. Like, I don't know if he was seen with her, she was seen with him, or why they would have brought her into this. Yeah, but for some reason, her name gets tied to this case. Like, if you look it up, it's like, oh, and also Amanda, 19-year-old, whatever. But again, nobody's ever been found. And that's what I'm wondering, too, like, is he one of those criminals, like, he had way more victims, but you just don't know about it? Was he tired of living the life that he was living? Like, there's so much out there that just makes zero sense to me. Yeah, I don't know what's, it's very weird. This guy, obviously, like, I feel like, not to be awful, but, like, Usually most people, from what I understand, they don't go a long time without something happening. If he was a registered sex offender at age 14, and then later on, like, yeah, those girls go missing, not can't confirm it's him that did it, but it was last year with Gail. And then there's another yeah. time period, blank, and then he starts killing again. Like, you can't tell me, like, in between those times, he wasn't doing something fishy. It seemed like he never stopped. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So, I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting. It is super freaking interesting. Well, and that's what I mean. There's just so much that's not given to us. Like, oh, also this was covered on My Favorite Murder, and I actually didn't listen to that episode so they could have way more information than we actually have. Who knows? Because people are better than us, I guess, at some things. But, um, yeah, it's all just, like, super sus. And I just wonder, like, is this going to become, like, a 30-year curse? And every 30 years, we're just going to have something new happen in Forest Park to give us something to Ooh, talk about? interesting. That means it's going to come up soon. Yeah, and what, the next, like, eight to ten years, something else bad is going to happen? I don't know. I just, again, I just thought both of the cases were super, super interesting, and the fact that they took place in the same park is not unheard of. Like, you could probably Google parks and find, like, awful things have happened in them. But I just thought it was interesting, and the fact that, you know, the whole Larry Payton, Beverly Allen case took place in um this time, like, in November. So, yeah. I don't know. That's that's all I got for you. If you have any more information as to what happened to Todd Allen Reed, please tell me because I'm fascinated well, and Taylor, I want to know. I just found something right now. I want to know. He was arrested for robbery. Arrested for burglary and assault. Yeah. Yeah, that was the rape case. Oh. In he was given 12 years and he only served two and a half. Did you say that? Exactly. Yeah. Isn't that insane? No. I didn't specifically say that, but yeah. Yeah, because at first I thought it was a burglary charge, and then when I looked into it more, it was the burglary rape of that girl. And yeah, barely served any time for it. And then we just put him right back out there into the streets. And that's, I guess, what I'm kind of wondering. Like, at what point did they tie the early cases of the 1987 cases when did they tie those to him was it after he had already been um 
you know, convicted for the murders? Is it something that he commit, like that he, what did it, what's the word? Did he, uh, when you say, like, when you admit to something? Uh, Oh, did he confess to those murders in order to, like, make, like, his plea deal because he didn't want the death penalty? Oh. Because there's no information as to, like, how he was even tied to those. And how did they know that Gail was the last person that was seen with both of them? Like, that's what I mean. I don't know. It says his birthday was May 22nd. He is not a Scorpio. But... Somebody was talking about this the other... Oh, it was Bailey Sarian was talking about how sometimes people um, get caught around their birth dates. Because John Wayne Gacy was caught around his birthday. Weird. There's so many things. Like, somebody needs to make a chart for reals on the things about serial killers. And I wonder how many of them are just coincidences. Serial killers? You know? Like, yeah. coincidentally kill someone? What? Oh. <laughs> no, like, the coincidences that take place, like, around... Like, like she said, like, oh, you know, serial killers usually get caught around their birthdays. Like, how often do serial killers get caught around her, their birthdays? Like, different little things. Oh, okay, okay. You know? That kind of thing. Interesting. So, Yeah. Those are the stories of the crimes that took place in Forest Park. Um, Like I said, I know Forest Park is very famous for people who want to just go explore nature and those things. But now when you walk through it, you can think about all the bodies that have been found out there. So you're welcome for that. And yeah, thank you so much for listening. We hope that everybody drives safely today, that you all get tons and tons of food, that you get to spend good times with family because i also know thanksgiving sucks sometimes and when you have to be around family that you don't like that's not fun so good luck to you all out there and yeah we will see you next time see ya be careful don't walk on trails walk off trails walk off trails i feel like that's worse that's how you find dead bodies okay okay also most of the time bodies are usually found 100 yards from the trails they're usually not that. Between 100 and 300 yards off trails. That's where bodies have are found. Have you ever found Just a body? FYI. I have never found a body. I've seen plenty of dead bodies because my husband worked at a funeral home for a really long time. But I have never stumbled across a body in my life. I've never found a dead human body. Oh, yeah. I've, well, I've seen lots of animal carcasses. That's kind of yeah. different. I'm waiting for the day. I walk around places all the time. Yeah, you guys go mushroom hunting up in Mount Hood. Part of me wonders, like, are you going to have a 411 experience or are you going to find a dead body? One of these days, both are super valid. Find something, like, something better go on. I really hope that when you decide to start having children, you don't take your children out there because that would be terrifying to me. Do you know who I'm dating? Yeah, I know. Exactly. That's what I mean. You should always suggest, hey, we should drop off little. Jerry. Little Jerry with Aunt Taylor for the day. <laughs> well, you pray that we have a little girl little because if there's a little girl, it ain't going to happen. But if we have a little boy, dude, I don't think I'll ever see my son after the age of five. Like, he will constantly be out and about. Yeah. So, we'll see what happens. But, yeah. <sighs> always be careful. Always be safe. Watch out for this 
freaks named Ted Allen, Todd Allen, Raleigh, whatever his name was. I don't remember his name. And yeah, 